following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. 
I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Lord Jesus, as we come to this today, I ask to encourage and strengthen every Christian who is listening. And I pray, Lord, for those sheep who are without a shepherd, who are wandering over the hills, who are who are hungry and thirsty but don't know where to go. Lord, I pray you'll meet them today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I live on a piece of property where my house backs into the woods. And on the patio, there is a beautiful place to feed the birds. It's a wall that rises up about two and a half feet. And then there's an area that's a little higher. And we put wonderful food out for the birds. And the slate-colored juncos are still with us. The cardinals, the finches, we see the finches beginning to mate up and they're singing their song. The tufted titmouse. We see the crows, we chase them away. We see the starlings, we drive them off. But especially we see the bluebirds. The bluebirds come and they enjoy a feast. But we've watched something that is strange. And that is, there will be 50 slate-colored juncos. There will be cardinals. There will be Woody the woodpecker, we call him. He's the red-breasted woodpecker. Then there's Downy, the little Downy woodpecker. All of these birds come, but suddenly, without any warning, it's though a hand sweeps through, and all the birds fly at one time. The doves, everybody just flies away. Well, there's not any reason for them to fly away that we can see. There's no reason for their fear. The food is all laid out for them, and it's delicious food. It's what they love the most. But why do they flee away? We haven't figured that out yet. But they seem to all get the signal at the same time, and off they go. Now, the bluebirds, and I have to tell you, they're our favorites. Alexandra loves the bluebirds. She calls them bluey. And we have two male bluebirds and two female bluebirds that are coming. And they're all fighting. Now, bluebirds are usually very patient and kind. But they're fighting with each other. We put up a new addition. We put up a bluebird house. And we're hoping to have a nest there this summer. Well, they'll come and poke their heads in. First the male and then the female. They'll come poke their heads in, but they haven't climbed into the bluebird house yet. I don't know if you're aware of this, but with blue, the male finds the house and he entices a female to come and be his wife, to live in the house, and then the two of them will raise their babies together. Well, why am I talking about birds instead of Jesus? Well, I'm trying to talk about you. Many of you are like these birds 
you come and you'll listen to a few minutes of this broadcast and then off you go. You have something you have to go do. You have something that strikes you suddenly and off you go. And so you come back after a while and you eat a little bit more and then go again. It takes time to be holy. And it takes time listening to this broadcast to understand and to bring into your heart the message that God wants to speak to you. And every day I come out of the prayer closet with the word of God for you. And if you fly off, you're going to miss it. As one man said to me recently, Oh, I listened to parts of the message. Well, stop. If you're driving, pull off on the side of the road. Take some time. Feast on the food that's going to be given to you from the Word of God. It takes time to be holy. It takes time to listen carefully and internalize the wonderful promises of God. And today, I want to encourage you. Some of you are wandering like sheep without a shepherd. You're dull. You're bored. You're just doing church when you're doing church. There's a lack of excitement in your voice when you speak about it. There's a a lack of a sparkle in your eye. You're bored. It's the same old, same old. The regiment. The regime. You go through the rituals. But there's no life there for you. Or you've just stopped going to church altogether and you'll tune in and listen to a few minutes of somebody on the radio or the television and then off you go. Jesus has another idea for you. And I want you to hear today the word of God. I want you to be encouraged by it. Some of you are living under daily condemnation. You try to be a Christian, but basically you live in Romans 7. You've never moved into the victory of Romans 8. And so you question God's goodness. You question his supply for you. You question whether he'll even feed you. You're living in Romans 7, where you have not yet walked into the victory and the fullness of of Jesus Christ. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So I ask as we come to this broadcast, are you living under the law of sin and death? Or are you just living under death? And you don't have the victory yet. And you don't have the joy welling up in your heart. And you're not rejoicing in the fullness of Jesus. Well, again today, I want to talk about who Jesus really is. Now, can I say this? Jesus is real. He's more real than you are. 
He is almighty and all-powerful. There is nothing too hard for him. And he's not trying to punish you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to be tight with you. He is your provision. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's exciting to live in the fullness of Jesus, the abundance of Jesus. Today, you you may not feel much abundance, but I want to tell you there is an abundance in Jesus. There is a spiritual abundance. There is an emotional abundance. There is a financial abundance. Jesus does not cause poverty of spirit, of emotion, of money, of friends. He does not lead us into poverty. He leads us into fullness. Now, let me take you to the scriptures. The book of Colossians, we're going to begin in the first chapter. Paul is praying for the Colossians. What is he praying? He's asking God to fill the Colossians with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Jesus wants to bring you according to Paul's prayer, into the knowledge of the will of God. Now, let's say that you've heard the will of God. If you don't walk in that will of God, you will be impoverished. You will be impoverished. He wants you to walk in his will, and he will give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Are you having a hard time understanding your situation? Then you've got to get to Jesus. Verse 10, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance. How many times God has said to me in answer to my prayer, endure, endure. But I cannot endure without the fullness of his glorious presence. God never asks me to endure without his glorious presence being there. So endurance with the presence of God means joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Now, let me tell you what I've done. In the past, many times, oh, God is asking me to endure. This is awful. I can't survive. I'm going to die in this. That doesn't please Jesus. God never asks us to endure in such a way that it steals from us the joy of walking in Jesus Christ. I don't care what the circumstances are, they cannot steal from you or me the joy of the Lord. My joy is not based on my physical surroundings. My joy is not based on my circumstances. My joy is based on 
the fact that God has qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints, to walk in the kingdom of light. Depression, discouragement, unbelief, all take me into the kingdom of darkness. And there I grind, and I struggle, and I agonize. No, this doesn't mean I'm not going to agonize in prayer. I have agonized much in the last week in the prayer closet for you, for others by name, for my own walk and the anointing and the baptism in Jesus in the Holy Spirit. But always out of that agony of prayer comes the joyful certainty of the presence of Jesus Christ and the joy of sharing in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. If I'm living, enduring, and angry, and struggling, and miserable, I have missed what God wants for me. The tougher my life becomes in the physical realm, the more important it is that I lift my hands up before Jesus and honor and praise him and realize the true joy of Jesus in my heart and the devil can't take it. What's this song? I forget the exact words. The devil didn't give it to me, and the devil can't take it away. (laughs) The devil can't take away the joy of the Lord. But some of you are wandering like sheep without a shepherd because you have grown tired of struggling with Jesus. That's because you never prayed through to the point where you simply explode in joyous belief that Jesus has it all in control. You can trust him. You can depend upon him. Listen, if you can't depend on Jesus for what you're doing, you are doing the wrong thing. Let me say that again. If you cannot, if you cannot find joy and life in the enduring, you are enduring the wrong thing. You're not walking where the Holy Spirit has called you to walk. And you need to totally reevaluate your position in Jesus Christ because Jesus calls us into the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. I've been talking to you a lot in recent days about believing in Jesus and what unbelief will do to us. Unbelief takes us out of the kingdom of light and takes us into the kingdom of darkness. So if you're wandering like a sheep without a shepherd, you're starving, you're dying, you've got to get to Jesus. And by faith, you're going to have to lift your hands up to him and praise and honor and glorify his name. There's a dear brother 
prayed for him on this broadcast, Alex, who is in very serious physical condition with his heart. It's it's dying on him. I, I talked to him this last few days. I said, how are you, Alex? He said, I'm holding on to Jesus. Yes! I'm trusting Jesus. Yes! See, it doesn't matter what happens to his heart, one way or the other. It's up to Jesus. If he wants Alex to live and he has work for Alex to do, he is going to strengthen and carry him. If he doesn't and Alex is going to die, then Alex's only position of safety is lifting his hands in praise to Jesus and worshiping him because he will soon be with Jesus. Live or die, I'm going to praise Jesus' name. I'm going to walk joyfully in my Savior Jesus. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. I'm going to walk by faith in my Lord. No one can steal that from me. The devil didn't give me faith in Jesus. The devil can't steal my faith in Jesus. The circumstances did not give me my faith in Jesus Christ. And the circumstances can't take it. Now, let me continue reading. Giving thanks. This is Colossians, the first chapter, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption. He bought us. And we were qualified by repenting, confessing our sins, and repenting of them, and turning and believing on Jesus Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit. The scriptures only in one place refer to receiving Jesus. And that passage specifically is when Jesus was physically present with the disciples. In every other passage, Jesus is not to be received. Jesus is to be believed on to be believed in. The Holy Spirit is to be received. That's a very important distinction. We believe on Jesus, and we rejoice as our belief is made firm by his promises. We rejoice because he was crucified for us, he redeemed us, and then we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are so discouraged that your belief in Jesus is an agony and you are not willing to move forward confident in your believing in Jesus and to then receive the Holy Spirit. Now you hear you hear me talk a lot about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's really not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism of Jesus with the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is the baptizer. So I receive the Holy Spirit. And day by day, I am by faith receiving the gift of the full baptism of Jesus with the Holy Spirit. The scriptures say that Jesus would baptize with fire with the Holy Spirit. He is the baptizer. The Holy Spirit is not the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer. So once you have absolute confidence in Jesus, you believe in him, then you receive the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk about this Jesus. I want you to be real clear about who he is. Verse 13, this is Colossians 1 verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness or the dominion of sin, of wickedness. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption through his blood. We have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins. Some of you who are listening are still walking in sin. You call yourself a Christian, but if you're still walking in sin, you have not yet made that decision to believe in Jesus. You're walking in unbelief. Now, if you're going to make progress in this journey, you are going to have to stop running, stop wandering, You're going to have to put Jesus first. Everything else is off. You're going to receive Jesus. You're not going to make any demands on him. You're going to simply believe in Jesus. You're going to take a stand that your sin is forgiven because you have repented of it. You have confessed it. You have repented. And you have chosen to believe in Jesus. When you take that step, you stop sinning. If you continue to walk in sin, it's only because you do not believe in Jesus Christ. And could I say something else? You're not yet a Christian. A Christian is one who believes in Jesus, who has left all sin who has been born from above in a supernatural work of grace, and you have left your sin. Now, this Jesus brings this forgiveness of sin by his blood. Now, who is he? Well, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. That word image we need to talk about for just a moment. It literally means a mirror of the invisible God. It means identical to. We believe that Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God. Fully man and fully God. Remember John, the first chapter, in the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
So this Jesus that we're talking about is not just some psychological deal. It is real. He is real. For by him, this is verse 16, for by him all things were created. So this person that we know as Jesus, this person is considered the firstborn over all creation. So God came. He was born among us. And he opened the way into heaven by his shed blood. He was the one who created the whole world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John, in the Gospel of John, tells us that this was Jesus who created everything that was created. Things in the heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things we created by him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things. I want you to hear that. He is before money. He is before everything. He is before ambition. He is before success. Everything rests in the hands of Jesus. Now, we can choose to walk in the kingdom of darkness. We can choose to lose our joy because we allow the devil to come and steal our joy away from us. In him, in Jesus, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, if you read the book of Ephesians, I call it the book of the church. You'll discover that Christ is the head of the church. And we are his body. The body of Christ in America is extremely apostate and sick. We don't seem to care in the church. Homosexuals are welcome to join. They're welcome to walk in their sin. I have to tell you, I rejoice in the decision made at the General Conference, the World General Conference, of the United Methodist Church as they said no. No bishops will be homosexual. No pastors can perform so-called false weddings between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. It's sin before God. We go by the scriptures. Not popular today. But you have to make a decision. Is Jesus first? Does he hold the supremacy? If he does, we go by his rules. He's the head of the body, the church. I don't mean to offend you, but let me say this with love. There's going to have to be a total remaking of the Christian church in America. These churches were so-called where their buildings, where you walk in and you listen to the entertainment, you listen to the pastor crack some jokes, 
You go through a worship service with full of ritual. You have your communion service all ritualized. It doesn't work. Because it lets you leave that church worship service and go out unaccountable without a shepherd. It allows you to go out and live your life as sheep without a shepherd. We've got to go back to the New Testament church that's not institutional. It's a living body. It's where we come together in love and fellowship and encouragement to one another. It's where we hold one another accountable for sin. It's where we speak the word of God with great confidence and love and our prayers mean something. This last week, the Holy Spirit moved on me to begin to pray for one of our people at the National Prayer Chapel. I prayed, O Lord, breathe in. Breathe into this person now. Encourage their hearts. Lift them up. And God did that for them. These formal worship services, these Johnny Cash music concerts these uh, these monologues of humor they're empty they're dead they don't take you anywhere with Jesus the church in America is dying If we keep on track as we are now, the Presbyterian Church, the first Presbyterian Church, by the year 2040, will be totally extinct. The Anglican Church, the Episcopal Church, and I could name other churches, as they become involved in social justice issues, they die. People find no life there. That doesn't mean that we're not concerned about abortion. I'm talking about progressive leftists. They kill a church. Their purpose is to destroy the church. The churches that are growing are the churches that hold firm to the teachings of Scripture and who with a clean heart and with pure lips call you to leave your sin to begin to enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ through repentance through confession of sin through repentance through being born from above these are the churches that are growing the churches that are warm that have living bodies there that love and care who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ these are the churches that are growing in America If you're not a part of that kind of church, you may need to come to the National Prayer Chapel and experience a New Testament church. Now, we're not perfect. We talk honestly about where we are, but we call one another fully into Jesus because we believe in him. Our trust is in him. We rejoice in him. We praise his name. Our confidence for daily life comes out of Jesus Christ. 
Now, verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. Not a pope, not a bishop, not a pastor. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now listen to verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Because of your evil behavior. Do you hear the past tense? Once you were alienated, meaning you're not alienated anymore. You're not enemies in your mind toward God. You're not walking in evil behavior anymore. You've been now reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. You hear it. When you come to Jesus... And you lay it all down. Joy rises in your heart. The fullness of the Spirit begins to come as you receive Him. Because you believe in Jesus. The blood of Jesus wipes away your sin. You're made clean. And can I be straight up? Some of you listening to this broadcast are still smoking, you're still drinking, you're still drugging, you're still fornicating, you call yourself a Christian, you feel bad about it. Some of you are living with people you're not married to, you know it's wrong. Some of you are in relationships that are homosexual. You know it's not right. But how can you get delivered from this? Well, certainly not by playing church. That's not where the deliverance comes. The deliverance comes through the blood of Jesus where your evil behavior is washed away and you make a decision, I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ and I'm going to give everything on the altar of burnt offering before God. I am going to leave my wicked sin. I'm going to leave my wicked behavior. Do you know what God is concerned about? He's concerned about your behavior that causes you to walk in sorrow and shame. He's concerned about how you are hurt by your wicked behavior. He wants to free you from that. He wants to bring you into the joy and the life in Jesus Christ. That's his heart. That's why Paul is praying in this passage that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will 
with spiritual wisdom, with understanding, in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in everything, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Some of you have been stopped in your growth in Jesus by your evil behavior. Being honest, I love you, but hear me. Some of you have been stopped from your progress in Jesus by your anger at him because he hasn't met your expectations. Some of you are angry with God. You're bitter because maybe he let a a wife or a husband die or a child. Or you're bitter because someone has wronged you or said something that has hurt you. Maybe you've been abused, sexually abused or physically abused, and you're angry about it. And you have a right to be. But it's not what Jesus wants for you. It's not what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to leave the realm of darkness with absolute confidence and trust in Jesus. He wants you to receive the Holy Spirit. He wants you to lift your hands in praise and worship and honor to Jesus regardless of your circumstances. He wants you to believe that he will deliver you and save you. He wants you to understand he's not there to hurt you. He's there to rescue you from the realm of darkness. Darkness is not your buddy. Darkness is not your friend. We are called to be people of the light, to leave the darkness behind, to not walk in it any longer, to be set free. Some of you live a depressed life. Always miserable, always negative, always struggling, never getting ahead, always being pushed down and pushed back. I have one answer for you. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Now, regardless of how you feel, lift your hands and begin to praise Jesus. Lift your hands. Based on your confession that I believe in Jesus Christ and I receive by faith the Holy Spirit, now, regardless of your situation, lift your hands and praise his name. Lift your hands. Some of you are too proud to lift your hands. When I was a father of two young daughters, they would come to me, they'd lift their hands. Daddy, pick me up. And I would pick them up and kiss them. If they were hurt, I would comfort them. Jesus wants you to lift your hands to him. 
there's something about lifting your hands and breaking your pride and beginning just to worship his name, to claim him as your Lord and your Savior, to confess that you believe in Jesus and you now receive by faith the Holy Spirit. Everything shifts and changes. And you free God to begin to move to deliver you from the bondage you feel. We are never what our circumstances are. We are what Jesus has called us to be. Whether we live or die, we live or die unto Jesus. (laughs) We live or die unto Jesus. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. If you're still walking in evil behavior, stop it. Stop it. Say, Jesus, I believe in your name. This is what I've been doing. I take responsibility for it. I don't want to walk that way anymore, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe in your blood. And I receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to walk in that sin anymore. Thank you, Jesus. You lift your hands and begin to praise him. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I've become a servant of that same gospel. Today you've heard that gospel. I urge you to, after this broadcast, go back to Colossians, prayerfully read through the first chapter of Colossians. Read it prayerfully. He says, God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. That's what I've disclosed to you today. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mercy, this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all energy. His energy, which so powerfully works in me. That's what I'm doing. I am working in the energies of Christ to bring to you the full gospel of Jesus. And the fullness of that gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember what Jesus said, the gospel of John, 
that we were to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And he said, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And they were deeply offended by what he was saying. And many disciples no longer followed after Jesus. This is a hard saying. But listen, what I'm saying to you is not... How do I describe it? It's not something false. It's not Pollyannish. It's real. That if you will believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will, by his shed blood, put to death the things of the flesh. If you will turn aside from all things that are wicked by faith, and you will lift your hands and worship Jesus, and you will receive the Holy Spirit by faith, as Jesus baptizes you in the fire and power of the Holy Spirit, such joy will radiate from your life that it won't matter what your financial situation is. You will trust Jesus to work it out. It doesn't matter what crashes. You can trust Jesus to work it out for you. But I fear that many of you are still sheep without a shepherd, wandering around, trying to grab a bite here and grab a bite there, like the birds suddenly flying off to somewhere else, leaving behind all the delicious food. Table is spread for you, and King David knew where to put his feet. He knew to put his feet under the table of the Lord. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Remember? Now King Saul, he didn't know this. He put his feet under the table of a witch. And he died. Sullen. Heavy. No hope, no faith. David, on the other hand, was filled with the joy of the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. Which are you today? Are you seated at the devil's table, partaking in all the wickedness of this world? Or are you like King David, sitting at the table of the Lord, letting him prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies? The enemies are your sins. Where they can't capture you anymore because you're filled with the Spirit of God. I bring to you the good news of victory today. But you're going to have to believe me no matter how you feel. As you leave your wicked behavior, you proclaim your belief in Jesus Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Lift your hands in worship and praise. And you lift your hands in worship and praise until the joy of the Lord floods into your soul. And you trust him to work out everything that needs to be worked out. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. The Lord does not hold us over a fire. The Lord delivers us.
I said to my wife this morning, one of the great joys of my heart is that I have gone through some very, very difficult times. But in the midst of every difficult time has come the deliverance of the Lord as I have waited upon him in faith and joy. He will deliver you too. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. We're out of time for today. I'm going to continue this broadcast in the second chapter of Colossians tomorrow. I invite you to be here. Jesus is wondrous. He is beautiful. If this broadcast has been encouraging today, you'd like to write to me, you're welcome to. You can reach me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Go also on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. Love you in Jesus. I call you today to believe on Jesus Christ, to believe in Jesus Christ, and to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I love you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with